Welcome to Salt Talks with Randy Marshall and Jim Lutz. Salt Talks, where we discuss topics of everyday life, faith, family, and the workplace. Hi, everybody. I'm Jim Lutz, along with author and speaker, Dr. Randy Marshall. Today's topic, you mean there is more than heaven? Well, Randy, you, we've been apart for Golly, it seems like a month of Sundays and you've been traveling around the world and having some interesting experiences. But, you know, we talk about leaving this earth and heavenly rewards. I mean, what are these eternal rewards and where in the Bible does it talk about the fact that Christians will receive rewards? Jim, that is a great question and one that all through my early Christian life, I never heard one thing mentioned in the church or in Bible study or anything else about rewards. Uh, I was stunned when uh, my main professor uh, at seminary actually began to talk about rewards. And he said, the most neglected doctrine in all the Bible is the issue of rewards. And he said, even when you start talking about it, people's eyes glaze over because they've never heard it. They don't have a context for it. And I think it's extremely important for us to talk about that because I think it's highly motivating for the believer in Christ to know that there will be rewards, not just salvation, but rewards waiting. And not only that, but it's commanded in the scripture to seek those rewards. And that's a shock to most people. You know, when I was in Greece this last week, uh, one of the things I wanted to do is to go to a place in Corinth, Greece, called the Bema Seat. I was able to do that. And uh, that Bema Seat is where in the early Olympics, they judged the participants. The Apostle Paul was judged in, in Corinth at the Bema Seat. And it's just a place of judgment. That's what it's called. Well, to my shock in graduate school, I found out that the Bible actually talks about a Bema Seat. Uh, there's also a judgment seat, which gave me a big scare because I'd always been taught that the Christian goes to heaven based on grace. It's free. It's a gift. But now I discover that the believer, in fact, works for rewards, and it confused me. And so it wasn't until graduate school, when I was getting ready to go into the full-time ministry, that this entire topic came alive to me. And so it's been very interesting, um, this whole concept of rewards. Um, here's what I discovered. And I wrote about it in a recent Salt Talk, that there are really two judgment seats. Well, I never knew that. I thought there was one judgment seat where everybody goes before God, and he opens two books, the book of life and the book of works. And if you tried to get to heaven on works, uh, you're rejected because nobody, you know, if, if nobody's perfect, how good is good enough? Well, the standard is perfection, uh, and nobody's perfect, so that's why we turn to a Savior who took away all of that need for works and solved the sin problem as well. But then I discovered there's a second judgment seat, and this one is reserved solely for the believer, and that's the Bema seat that the Scripture talks about. And so that's why I want to talk about it today. Uh, I'm going to probably dominate this discussion, but I've asked you to ask me certain questions that I've found over the years that people who are really interested in this really start to ask, what rewards are we talking about? Where do you find that in the Bible? That sort of thing. So uh, just 
fire questions that maybe you say, you know, I've never heard of rewards in heaven. Salvation's good enough, isn't it? And so I'd like to just talk about that topic today. What you just said, I mean, isn't it enough that we get salvation through Christ? I mean, it feels a little selfish to try to live for rewards. Yeah, that's exactly what most people uh, feel. And, you know, I would say the same thing. I'd say salvation is, are you kidding? More than enough. Uh, I don't deserve it. It's a gift and it's the greatest thing in my life that's ever happened to me. I would say it's selfish, except Jesus says you need to desire it. Jesus says, I want you to work for them. And he even says, this is my commandment, that you send treasures ahead in heaven so that you can receive rewards. He's basically saying there that I, the Son, I, the Father, and I, the Holy Spirit, want to bestow upon you rewards. And here's the passage that uh, jumped off the page at me. It's at, Actually, uh, in the, the city of Corinth, where I was uh, this last week, uh, there was a letter written to the church there called 1 Corinthians. And uh, this is what it says uh, in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. Uh, we're looking at verse, uh, basically starting at the end of verse 10. It says, let each one of us take care on how he builds upon the foundation. The foundation there is Christ. It says, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. But now catch this. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and that fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Well, there's two things that jump off the page there. Number one, it's for the believer. The believer builds a foundation upon Christ. And that foundation is basically you're working for it. Salvation is secure. That's the first thing. Now, he moves the entire emphasis to working for rewards. And he's basically saying this, gold, precious stones, and jewels are work that has been done in the name of Christ, for Christ, in the power of the Spirit, and your motives have been aligned with the purposes of God. The wood, hay, and stubble are those things, and we've all got a bunch of that stuff that we've done self-centered, we've done in the flesh, we've done our out of our own impure motives. It's kind of Randy disapproved works, if you will, and that will be tested just like gold, precious stones, and jewels by fire. Well, guess what happens to wood, hay, and stubble? Poof, it's gone. Gold, precious stones, and jewels tested by fire remains. In fact, it's tempered. And at the end of this passage, in verse 15, 1 Corinthians 3, it says this, If anyone's work is burned up, he'll suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. And you say, wait a minute. You mean there's going to be a sense of loss, a sense of shame in heaven? Yes, there will be. Momentarily. It would be an eternal nanosecond, if you will. But there's going to be a realization that there's a lot of opportunities we had to please God, to work for him, to work for these rewards, passed us by. We neglected them. But then on the other hand, very quickly, we're going to see that the gold, precious stones, and jewels will result in rewards for eternity. And that is what should motivate all of us. Um, the question is, is it too selfish? It would be if Jesus didn't say do it, 
and we're just responding in obedience to his command. So we work following salvation, following conversion, following trusting in Christ. We work for these rewards. And I think that's extremely important. Randy, you just mentioned jewels and things of that nature. And those are what a lot of people consider earthly prizes of rewards. I mean, some people think winning the lottery is a reward, but what kind of rewards are we talking about? Great question. Um, as I've done an increasing study in this area, and again, I don't think people are really motivated to learn much about this, but I think because life is so short and it's brief and it flies by, uh, that we're going to spend a long, long time in eternity, uh, you know, that we need to understand what rewards we're going to actually receive. Uh, the scripture says there's three of them, three kinds of rewards. There are crowns. What in the world does that mean? We'll get to that in a second. There are robes or basically, believe this or not, what you'll wear throughout eternity. There will be an amazing, beautiful wardrobe that is given out that we will wear through eternity, just like the kings and the priests and the prophets wore, representing uh, places of authority. And that leads me to the third one. Uh, we will be given certain authority in heaven. The Bible calls it co-reigning with Christ where we are given a place of authority that may be another universe, that may be, uh, we don't know what that heavenly assignment will be, but I want to talk about that in just a second. Let's start with crowns. Let's cover that one first. The Bible says that there are going to be five crowns that you can earn as a believer. You may earn more than one. You may earn all five, but they require certain kinds of work. Let me list them very, very quickly for you. And again, I don't mean to be so didactic or pedantic here that, you know, it seems like, okay, I'm not going to fall asleep. These things, again, are, are things that we will have and wear and be, it's like the badge, if you will, of what we've done to honor Christ on earth. And so I think it's very important. The first one is called an imperishable crown. Um, and they used to, in the Olympics, you know, they'd have these perishable wreaths. But now we're talking about an imperishable wreath or crown, and that is for a person that's very faithful. They're consistent in the Christian life. They walk in obedience. And so there's a reward for those people that really are found faithful. Uh, well done, my good and faithful servant, is what we're talking about. Secondly, there's a crown of rejoicing. Uh, Philippians 4, uh, verse 4 talks about this. You say, well, what is a crown of rejoicing? This is the kind of person that looks forward to the second coming. Do you know what? There are a lot of Christians that don't look forward to the second coming. They want to live this life on earth. They don't want to be taken to heaven. They don't want to be raptured. They're not really looking for the second coming, but they want this mess to be cleaned up with. And there's a crown of rejoicing for those people that are really looking forward to Christ's return. Then there's a crown of righteousness. What is that? A crown of righteousness. That is kind of for the person that's been persecuted. You know, there are a lot of Christians in this world that are suffering persecution, not so much in America, it may come, but there's people in China and all these kinds of countries that, uh, that really are not very prone to responding to the gospel. They're receiving tremendous, tremendous persecution. They're jailed, they're being burned. Uh, things are gouged out, eyes and things like that and cut. Uh, those people receive a crown of righteousness. Then there's a crown of glory. Uh, crown of glory 
is the person that serves Christ very well. Could be a leader in the church, could be an eacon, a deacon or an elder, could be a pastor. One who is faithful in leadership roles. That's a crown of glory. And finally, there's a crown of life. Uh, I love this one. It's a person that just loves Jesus. He loves Jesus. He talks about him all the time. It's like his best friend or her best friend. Cannot say enough about Christ. Just loves the Lord. And that's called the crown of life. So there are five different kinds of crowns. And when you begin to think about that, um, it, it motivates me. Now people say, oh yeah, well, you'll get the crowns. I've heard about that. But you know about that old hymn says you're going to give them back to him. What does Jesus need crowns for? He is the king. <laughs> no, we don't give them back to him. It's like, okay, I'm going to give you to you. And now you give them right back to me. No, no, we don't lay them down at his feet. As the old hymn says, we have those crowns so much as a badge of people that are looking at us as leaders, and here's why they're leaders. Here's why that God rewards them. And I think that's highly, highly motivating. Anyway, so that's the first one. And uh, you have any comments on that before I dive into the second one? Go for it. Yeah, in, in typical impatient fashion, is this, we're on our trial now here on earth. Do we have to earn our keep when we get to heaven? I mean, when are we going to get these rewards? Because I kind of like to have a crown or two. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You get those crowns as soon as the light goes off. Uh, as soon as we die or we're raptured, we go immediately, according to the scripture, before the judgment seat of Christ, uh, the great white throne judgment seat, where everybody marches to the throne is at the end of a thousand-year reign of peace and prosperity on the earth. Uh, that's a time in which every human that's ever lived walks, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. But for the believer, that occurs immediately upon death. Uh, your mom passed away recently, uh, immediately went before the judgment seat of Christ, and she was evaluated, not because of her salvation. She embraced Christ and trusted in him, but now she is being evaluated in terms of these kinds of faithful, persevering, joyful, perhaps suffering at moments in time, loving the Lord, serving well. She has been given certain crowns, gold, precious stones, and jewels. The second kind of reward in heaven is our wardrobe, if you can believe that. Do you know that every picture in the scripture depicts us wearing white for a period of time, except Jesus. Jesus has a white robe dipped in blood, which I believe represents the fact that his blood was shed on the cross. But beyond that, the scripture talks about the beautiful wardrobe that we will be wearing, incredible colors, colors you've never even imagined before. And so clothes are important in heaven, believe that or not. Um, you say, well, you know, dress to impress. Well, in heaven, it's really going to be dressed because you have impressed God by your works on earth. And then finally, there's the, the whole reward of authority. And here's, the, here's an amazing thing. You know, I, this picture of floating on a cloud and a harp and all that, such garbage. We will be working in heaven. We'll be given assignments in heaven. We'll be there that will be exactly ready for this commensurate with our abilities on earth. Your ability, your giftedness, your talent on earth will be magnified a trillion times. What you do really well here will be magnified. You were born with a particular set of giftedness or strength or talent, and in heaven, it's going to be multiplied like crazy. 
uh, and you're going to be given a place where in heaven he is now preparing you for, and so we're going to co-reign with Christ. Um, let me put it a different way. You're going to be seated at the banquet table between the marriage of the bride, the church, and the bridegroom, which is Christ. And he will throw a big party after the judgment seat at the Bema seat. Big party. And there will be people seated. There'll be the patriarchs. There'll be Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Right at the, you know what? The more that you work for him, the closer to the banquet table you become. There'll be some people, uh, and there'll be some surprise who's at the banquet table that will be sitting really, really close to our Lord Jesus. So there's a sense in which you reign. Second Timothy chapter two talks about that. Uh, I can't wait. And so um, is it selfish? He says, no, come on, come on. You're earning certain things now for your place in heaven. So those are the three kinds, crowns, our wardrobe, and our authority that I think the scripture talks about. So can we expect a new line called like heavenly designs? You know, it's sure. the latest trends. Sure, whatever. Randy, yeah. all of this sounds wonderful. I mean, but will there be a time, is there anything that Christians would suffer a loss in heaven? I mean, in other words, if they get rewards, are they also losing rewards for their bad deeds after becoming a Christian? I think so. Uh, I think that that's only because God is totally fair. There's an evaluation of that. And again, the wood, hay, and stubble represents that kind of thing. Um, it, it is uh, a momentary kind of shame that we say, oh, and, but the Lord, you know, he'll wipe those tears away pretty quickly. And the grieving process will be short. But there is an awareness of our life before the Savior. There is an awareness that we could have done more, uh, that we went our own separate way so many times. But the good news is that um, those are burned very quickly. Uh, and yet uh, there's an inventory. So, yes, I think there is. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I love about working for rewards is we begin to build a capacity to receive more and more and more of God. Throughout eternity, we're not, we're not going to be any Bible studies in heaven, but we're going to learn more about the character of God. Uh, our six-year-old granddaughter loves uh, a hamburger from McDonald's. Uh, I like a Ruth Chris steak or a Chamberlain steak. I like a ribeye, you know. She doesn't have the capacity to enjoy that. Uh, I'll eat uh, a single patty at McDonald's and, and excited if I'm really, really hungry. But my capacity is to enjoy something more. So here's the picture. If you go to heaven and you've worked for the Lord and you've, and you've been obedient and all the things we've just talked about, I think you're building a capacity. It's like a divine ball-peen hammer. He hammers a capacity within you to receive more and more and more. So a person on his deathbed, for example, will not have the capacity. Yes, glad to go to heaven. Trusting in Christ right at the end, fantastic. But there's a capacity once you become a Christian to receive a greater ability to understand and appreciate the gifts that you've been given. May doesn't understand that as our six-year-old. I more understand it since I've been walking with Christ for a period of time and have tried to understand what the scripture says. I don't have it nailed, that's for sure. Let's say, though, you die 
and you receive a thimble, he fills it. Somebody else dies, they receive a cup, he fills it. A kettle drum, he fills it. A river, he fills it with his blessings, the rewards. You're not going to compare a thimble to a cup to a kettle drum to a river. Comparison is odious. We will not compare in heaven because I don't have the capacity to compare. When I get a T-bone steak, May is not going, oh, I'm so lusting after that T-bone steak you have, Papo. He, she doesn't do that. She's content with what she has. And I think it, it, and all analogies fall short, of course. But I think that's the best I've heard uh, about why there's no jealousy. There's no comparison. But yes, uh, one other question that arrives, I, I asked this question. I said, when you go to heaven, you're at Bemis Theater. Are there people going to be watching and listening in and seeing what those rewards are? First of all, I don't know. Secondly, I hope not. And third, might be potentially embarrassing. But Jesus is going to go, I think, I think, a private little ceremony for each person. And then we're going to move throughout eternity. So anyway, it's going to be a great celebration, coronation, homecoming. I think it'll be fantastic. Randy, you had mentioned the word jealous, and I think about, okay, how much of our human tendencies are going to be removed and our opinions, our views and everything are going to be changed dramatically, but won't I be jealous of other Christians who receive more rewards than I do? Because you had said earlier that exponentially our talents are uh, going to be, you know, so much greater. I mean, how can I be jealous in heaven if, in fact, it's going to take place? I don't think there will be jealousy in heaven at all. I think we'll be very content uh, with what we've received. I think we'll be so excited. You know, that list of questions we think we're going to ask the Lord and uh, some borderline anger to him. And why did you do this? And why? what happened here? That list will, will never. Well, that is a perishing list of questions. And we will not ever. I think question. we'll be so excited about the, the, the fact that this is a place where there's no more tears, no more sorrow, no more problems with health. Uh, and, and, and honestly, in heaven, everybody, Jim, is going to receive riches and wealth and mansions and authority of life to come. Nobody's going to be complaining about anything. There will be no comparison at all. This whole idea of why do you work for rewards isn't that selfish. You know where that came from? The Stoics. The people that said, you know, got to be straight, less sober and sad. You know, you can't have any joy. I'm almost a Christian hedonist, to be honest with you. And you know why? Because I think God loves to give to his children. We do. The Heavenly Father loves to give to his kids. And so I think he's ready to pour on the rewards and give the gifts. And it's going to be a Christmas time like you've never seen before. And here's the biggest problem. And really, I kind of want to wrap it up with this. Um, and just there's a lot of stuff. I could give you scripture verses after scripture verses uh, where he says, I'm coming soon. I'm bringing my recompense with me to repay for everyone for whom, for what he has done. Revelation chapter 22, 12. Matthew 16, 27, Matthew 5, 12, all the way through the scripture, 1 Peter 1, 4, all of them talk about God waiting, almost like on tiptoes, to give his children a reward. Uh, here's the biggest problem, and, and we can wrap this up. Uh, I don't you know, need to do a monologue for this thing too much. I just want to motivate people, get them thirsty, to learn more. 
that there's a huge world out there. I didn't even know until I was in my 20s, uh, late 20s, actually. And that's this. I think we desire too, too little. I think our biggest problem is like the little kid, C.S. Lewis said, who's content in playing in a mud pole when the ocean is one mile away. I just, I think we don't ask too much. I think our motivation is too weak. Um, it's not too strong. And, and we go, we, we settle for the lesser things when God says, I'm ready to pour it out. I'm ready to give you blessings like you can't believe. But trust me with this. I'm a good God. I want to give you more and more. And we've just simply got to receive. And he says, basically, the way you do that is you work for my purpose. You say, what kind of purposes? Let me tell you about this book. See this book right here? This book gives you a lot of clarity on the purposes of God choose one. Let it ignite your heart and just do it. And you're on the road to getting rewards. That is called, it pays to obey. It's called obedience. And that's it. So I'm done basically for today's podcast, but I will tell you, um, this whole area really, really makes a difference in terms of motivation. Our daughter-in-law said the other day, I said, why are you doing that, Julia? She said, I need rewards in heaven. I said, God bless you, sister. Do it. So anyway, on and on it goes. Well, Randy, I think those many, many who are listening to these shows, they, they feel like your words of wisdom are, are nuggets and, and rewards from you. And I want to encourage everyone to share this podcast with their family and friends and go to Randy's website, drrandymarshall.pro or if you or your company are interested in doing a podcast and have me as your host or team building seminar or workshop, please visit my website at lifecoachgym.pro. You can also get your weekly boost each Monday by liking Randy Salt Talk Facebook page. These are great short reads that continue to bring perspective to your day. For Randy Marshall, this is Jim Lute saying stay safe and God bless. And we will see you soon on our next installment of Salt Talks.